Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash sacred text. Hi, everybody. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we discussed some difficult topics in today's episode, including suicide and terminal illness. If you decide that you have to skip this episode, we totally understand and we will talk to you soon. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. Hi, Vanessa, Matt, Ariana, and all of the other lovely folks over at Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. Hi, Matt, Vanessa, and the Sacred Text team. We are lucky enough to be joined today by Chris Stedman. Chris, most importantly, of course, is a friend of mine, but he is also the author of Faithiest and more recently of IRL, Finding Realness, Meaning, and Belonging in Our Digital Lives, which I hope our podcast listeners can relate to. (laughs) He also teaches at the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Augsburg University. And most relevant to today's conversation, Chris is the host of the fantastic new podcast, Unread. Chris, welcome. And can you just tell everybody a little bit about Unread? Yeah. First of all, thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to do this with you. I wasn't like planning on becoming a podcaster, but in 2019, in late 2019, one of my best friends died by suicide. And the way that I found out was that he scheduled some emails to go out to a couple of close friends and loved ones, letting us know about his decision, letting us know that he loved us. And, you know, as I started moving through my grief and just trying to sort of make sense of what happened, I kept coming back to one thing in this email that he sent me, because all of our emails were a little bit different. And at the end of mine, 
Almost as this kind of afterthought, he included a link to a private SoundCloud page with a couple of audio files of him talking with someone he met in an online uh, fan forum for Britney Spears. And this person he was talking to sounds exactly like Britney herself. And what you need to know about Alex, besides the fact that he was truly a force of nature, like the most one-of-a-kind person I've ever known is that he was obsessed with Britney Spears. She was like the most important person in the world to him. That was a big part of what bonded Alex and I initially was this shared love we had for Britney. But in many ways, when I think about who Alex was in my life, I sort of understand why Britney was so significant to him because you know, like Britney, Alex was a total superstar. Like he entered a room and it was like all eyes on him. Like he was just so magnetic, so talented, so larger than life, just like Britney. But like Britney, he also had, you know, lots of struggles. And I think he felt that both of these pieces of him weren't necessarily embraced. Like people loved the larger than life Alex, but they didn't know what to do with, you know, the rest of him. So when he sent me this email, I just kept coming back to this link and trying to understand why he sent me these files and what he was trying to show me in these files. And so, you know, I kept coming back to it. I kept talking about it with his his family and his friends. And eventually we all kind of felt like there was a reason why he sent these files. And I ended up sort of going down the rabbit hole, seeing where they led me. And the end result was this podcast on Red. Yeah. I feel like Unread, besides being beautifully written and brilliant, it's so relatable to our community and to fan communities in general, bonding so deeply over an item of pop culture and treating that item of pop culture as a talisman and as an essential part of your personality and as something entirely internal to yourself, but also external to yourself that you can bond over. You know, we think that the Harry Potter books are a lot about grief, right? We just finished book one of Harry Potter where Harry sees an image of his parents for the very first time. And, you know, now we're in book two where every moment he's with the Weasleys, he's thrilled. But also, you know, that he's carrying this grief of the kind of childhood and relationship with parents that he could have. And right now with COVID and climate change and just everything else going on in the world, I'd love to hear your thoughts on why it's so important to talk about grief and using pop culture as a way to think through our grief. Yeah. Like I said, I'm sort of an accidental podcast creator. I don't think I would have ever made Unread if, as I was wrestling with my grief around Alex's death, At the same time, this sort of free Britney movement hadn't been emerging online. Like it became this backdrop for my questions of what was the significance of these files and why why did Alex connect with this person online in these Britney fan communities? Did she have an understanding of him that maybe some of the rest of us didn't? And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the free Britney movement has gained so much traction during the time of COVID because so many of us feel disconnected, isolated, cut off from the rest of the world. And I think maybe for the first time, a lot of people are truly empathizing with what Britney Spears may be going through and seeing in Britney a lot of things that they themselves are wrestling with and feeling. Britney is truly, she occupies a really particular place in our culture 
because while she is this icon, this superstar, her songs are objectively incredible. Her technical abilities when it comes to dance are just like unrivaled. She's like truly, truly gifted. She's also so human, like in an age of like pristine celebrity Instagram accounts, like hers feels so real. And she as a person just feels so real. And I think like, especially in this time when like we are all carrying so much grief and we're struggling with so many different things. I don't know if other people feel this way, but like when I see a celebrity continuing to post like their incredible life that feels so removed and so untouchable on social media, I'm like, this is making me feel worse. And when I go to Britney's page, like I feel like I'm getting something real, someone who experiences the highs and lows of life in the same way that I do. And I think it's super important for us to have these sort of things in pop culture that help us make space for and give ourselves permission to feel different things like grief, especially things I think that, you know, like Harry Potter and Britney Spears, I think are both things that a lot of people look at very dismissively, like there's not a lot of significance there. And actually, like those things can be some of our richest sources for processing these kinds of things. And, you know, for me, over the last, you know, year and a half between COVID, between the loss of of Alex, who just completely changed my life. Like he was the person who came into my life and showed me how to like be yourself. I lost my dog, Tuna, really unexpectedly and suddenly in the middle of the pandemic. I've been carrying tons of grief over this last year and a half. And, you know, to be able to sort of come back to Brittany and the conversations emerging around her and these fan communities that show me like what it can mean to be in community and to grieve together and to hope together and all of these things that the Brittany fan communities are doing. To me, like that is so important to have those spaces. And it's been just personally really helpful over the last year and a half. First of all, like, I'm just so sorry about all the grief in your life. It almost feels like because we're all carrying so much grief right now, we don't feel comfortable making space for our own grief. And I just think we all should have space for our grief. So I'm, I'm just really sorry for having so much loss in your life over the last few years. The last thing that I'd love to hear you talk about, Chris, before we start responding to voicemails is living in a prolonged position of grief, you know, from from being part of this community for seven years now, this Harry Potter community, so many of our listeners go to the Harry Potter books in conversation with grief, right? We've heard from people who read the books every year on the anniversary of a parent's death or, you know, grieve in conversations in various ways with these books. And, you know, we've dedicated time at the end of every episode lately to say the names of members of our community who've been lost due to COVID, and, and we'll be continuing that practice just with members of our community who have been lost in general. And I know that you teach in a department of religion and philosophy. You have been an atheist chaplain. I'd love to just hear your thoughts about living in a position of grief and potentially how you use Brittany, if you do, while sitting in that grief. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you remember when we shared an office, like I always was coming in with headphones on, leaving with headphones on, you know, music like is part of how I navigate this life and make sense of it. And that was a big thing that 
Alex and I bonded over. And when he sent these emails to me and to a couple of other people, he included all these things in them. Gosh, I mean, it is absolutely amazing to me that at the end of his life with everything else that, you know, he was struggling with, he took this time out to create photo albums for us, to create playlists of music that we could listen to. And I have gone back to those playlists so many times, you know, when I want to feel close to him or when I'm trying to process my grief um, or just sit in it and, and give myself permission to sit in it. I get obsessive with music. Like I will listen to an album over and over and over again. And then I forever associate it with that period in my life. And it becomes this sort of gateway back into what I was feeling in that moment. So for example, when Tuna died last summer, the day that she died, this incredibly gorgeous instrumental album came out. And I was just listening to it on repeat, like as I was making my way to the animal hospital. And I'll be honest, I can't really listen to that album in any other context now. <laughs> but when I am trying to access and like give myself permission to feel the grief that I feel around the loss of my life companion, I can go back to that album and it it just like brings me right back into those feelings. And, you know, because <laughs> I am a product of a capitalist society. And so I think what makes me worthy is like being busy and doing things. And so it's really easy for me to like compartmentalize my own emotions. And so like sometimes for me, the the walls are like too thick or the compartmentalizing is like too strong. And it's, yes, it's a tool I've learned to like survive in this society, in this world, but also like it can make it hard for me to access these feelings that as you say, like we live with, they don't go away. My grief for Alex is never going to be gone. You just sort of learn to live with it. And part of how I learned to live with it and make sure I'm still attending to these feelings is using music as this tool that I know can help open me up and like break those walls down. And so whether it's a book, whether it's music, whether it's a movie, I think these kinds of resources are so incredibly helpful. I just can't even tell you how many times I've heard from people that they fall asleep to Jim Dale reading them Harry Potter every night, right? Like there's just this soundtrack to their life when they are anxious, they listen to it. And I I think that there's this way of thinking that, oh, I'm weak, so I'm listening to Harry Potter, when really what I hear so much is like, it supported me so I could be strong, right? We hear from mm -hmm. people who are like, I was living abroad for a year and I I was lonely and scared for my first three months. So I listened to Harry Potter, right? And it gave them the strength to stay where they were. And I feel like it just can be so strengthening, these, these sacred texts. Absolutely. Well, Chris, everybody I'm sure has already subscribed to Unread, just listening to you being so eloquent and lovely. But if you haven't, go do that right now. And of course, buy his book IRL. But Chris will also stick around for us to respond to some voicemails. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. So we are now going to listen to some voicemails. We have a collection of blessings from our community members. And our first blessing is from Kathy. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. This is Kathy from Colorado, and I'm calling with a blessing for Madame Pince and others who find themselves in the wrong career. Throughout the series, we see Madame Pince being very protective of her books and the information they contain and the sanctity of her space. And this just isn't what libraries are about. Um, in chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised, we see the trio looking for information on Nicholas Flamel, but they don't want to ask Madame Pince for help because they're afraid Snape will hear what they're looking for. One of the values of the American Library Association, at least, is the library user's right to privacy and confidentiality. If you ask someone for help finding something in the library, um, that is confidential. What you read in the library, what you check out and take home, we're not going to tell anybody about that. We also believe in intellectual freedom and your right to read on whatever topic you're interested in. I think Madame Pins might be better suited for archival or museum work, where the importance of protecting the materials is more paramount. But S.R. Ranganathan has five laws of library science, and the first one is books are for use. Thanks for the podcast. Oh, my God. I loved everything about that voicemail. I loved learning one of the five rules of library science. I want to know the other four now. (laughs) I know. Desperately. (laughs) (laughs) And I just have to say that 
nothing annoyed me more when I used to be able to go in person to the library than a librarian commenting on what I was checking out. I was like, it's private. Like, what if I'm checking out a book about something deeply embarrassing to me? Anyway, so I really appreciate, Kathy, you reminding us that our privacy is something we're entitled to. I freaking love libraries, Chris, but that is not the point of this blessing. The point of this blessing is a blessing for people who are in the wrong career. Yeah. I'm wondering what you think about that. Yeah, I just want to express my gratitude for the invitation into empathy for people who are like in the wrong field because, gosh, I have felt so much of the opposite of empathy for a lot of those folks that I've encountered in my professional life over the years. I have you know, so often worked with people who, to me, it's so clear that they're like doing something that maybe they're not super suited for, or it's like not even really feeding them like personally. And I so often need to feel more empathy for those folks, not only because they, I think, could be happier doing something else, something that was more aligned with their own particular passions, as we just heard so well in the case of this librarian who maybe would be better off as an archivist. But I also think that empathy can be so fruitful for us because, like for me, when emotions aren't given space to be felt, to be processed, and then sort of moved through, our own lives become heavier. So I just appreciate this gift of inviting all of us into having some empathy for those folks and hoping that they will kind of find their way into something that's a better fit for them. I mean, especially given that it's so hard to switch careers, right? Like, you know, education in the United States, at least, is so expensive that if you need a degree in library sciences, it's a totally different degree if you want to move into preservation and archiving. And so often these people are stuck and feel stuck. And the other thing I want to say is that I feel like often jobs ask us to be too many things. I look at the job of like a priest or a minister or a rabbi, and you are supposed to be good at one-on-one -on -one chaplaincy, at public speaking, at creating meaningful rituals, at fundraising. And I'm like, that is not all one personality. <laughs> what I think the question always has to be is, are you good at the most essential part of your job. And I think that's what Kathy is pointing us to with Madam Pence. Like, I think Madam Pence is probably really good at maintaining a clean and orderly library and is probably really good at helping create syllabi with the professors. But arguably, the most essential part of her job is making resources available to students, the school library. And that is the thing that she needs to be good at and that she's not, right? And that's yeah. that's the frustrating part. Well, a blessing from Madam Pence. Thank you <laughs> thank so you, much, Thank you, Madam Pence. <laughs> yes, and thank you, Kathy, more importantly. <laughs> <laughs> Our next voicemail is from Mallory. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. This is Mallory calling from Michigan, um, and I'm calling with a blessing for Hermione for something that I think that for me, at least, I don't think it's enough airtime, which is her anxiety. Um, I think Hermione is someone who is just constantly operating at like a low level of anxiety 100% of the time. And because of that, she sort of overperforms, I think, 
or at least maybe I'm putting myself into it, but I think that we see her overperforming as a way of trying to overcome her anxiety. I know that for me, um, using some sort of external validation um, has been a way for me of trying to combat my own mental health issues. And I'm 28 years old and it has never worked. Uh, and so, and we'll see at the end of this book that Hermione is going to her, all of her preparation and her knowledge that she uses um, is going to fail her essentially when she freezes, when uh, they're facing the devil's snare. Um, it, her, her knowledge doesn't always serve her and doesn't actually um, fix her anxiety at all. And we'll see later in the books, you know, her, her biggest fear with the Boggart is McGonagall failing her. And I think just Hermione is operating at this heightened level of anxiousness at all times. And we know, obviously, we love her and she's worthy of belonging and her knowledge without needing to perform it so much. And I think that's just a really beautiful thing to carry with us, that we're all worthy of belonging with our people and we all are enough just as we are without needing to um, perform our knowledge so much. Thank you so much for the podcast, and I hope you all are doing well and staying safe. Mallory, thank you so much for that blessing. I keep remembering something that Casper recently taught me on the real question, which is that the original definition of the idea of the sin of sloth was staying busy rather than being engaged in active leisure or doing actual study or work. And that is something that I've really taken to heart lately, that there are times that I'm checking the statistics of something or I'm reading an email that I didn't like for the 800th time and I'm performing busyness for myself mm -hmm. rather than either relaxing or doing like taxing work that will end up being emotionally gratifying or gratifying into my work. And I just think if Hermione had less anxiety, she could rest more and she could do maybe a different kind of more engaged work. And I've really been trying since Casper taught me that other definition of sloth and slothfulness to take that to heart and try to not do busy work for the sake of doing it, but put it aside and meditate or exercise or walk the dog or read for pleasure or like do real work. Yeah. Yeah. I was literally just talking about this with my therapist yesterday <laughs> about how much my life has changed since I stopped trying to fill every moment with doing or being busy and just how actively I have to work at that and how actually like if I take intentional time to rest that then I'm I feel more productive during the time that I am working and it seems like such an obvious thing but it's just like a thing that I have to constantly relearn but gosh there was so much in that voicemail that I appreciated and one of the things because you know I have lived with anxiety for as long as I can remember in addition to OCD which is a form of anxiety I also just have generalized anxiety and I have so often thought of it as this like thing that I need to fix or overcome. And I read this really valuable book called This Life by Martin Hegland. One thing that I found really useful in that book was he talks about how anxiety is information. Like if something is making us anxious, it's because we care about it. And so often I've looked at my anxiety as this problem that I need to rid myself of or this 
obstacle. And certainly, again, it can take really maladaptive forms, but it's also information. If I feel anxious about something, it's because I care about it. And, you know, learning to sort of mine that and pay attention to it, I think has been incredibly, incredibly helpful. Our next voicemail is from Brianna. Hi, Vanessa, Matt, Ariana, and all of the other lovely folks over at Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. My name is Brianna, and I have a two-part blessing I'd like to offer that is near and dear to my heart. In Book 7, Chapter 3, Harry addresses Hedwig, who's been kept in her cage all summer so as not to draw Death Eater's attention to the house. One of the last things he says to her before they leave Number 4 Privet Drive for the last time, and Hedwig is ultimately killed, is this. We're leaving soon. Really soon, Harry told her. And then you'll be able to fly again. This line really struck me when I reread this book last spring, just a few short months after my mom died from a very sudden and aggressive case of cancer. She was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer the previous November, and her health rapidly deteriorated. We had many conversations around what we'd do when she got better, but she never did. At some point, we knew she wouldn't, but we kept saying it a little longer. We lied to each other to keep one another afloat in the darkest of times. Of course, Harry doesn't know he's lying to Hedwig. My mom and I didn't know we were to start with either. But nonetheless, what we promised to one another never came to pass. So a blessing to Harry and all who try to uplift the spirits of those we love no matter what we face. And to those of us who survive to live with the weight and the pain of the lies we told in order to do so. And a blessing to Hedwig. May we all be able to cherish our final flights, whether or not we know it's the last. Here's to Sandy, flying high in the sky. May love you more than the moon and the stars, Mom. Thank you. Brianna, thank you for that really beautiful and touching voicemail, and I am so deeply sorry for your loss. I just want to reframe. You all weren't lying to each other. You were expressing prayers and wishes and hope. I I hope that you can look back on those moments and see them as radical acts of love and as caretaking of one another. And I think often, you know, the reason that we talk about Harry Potter is because it's often too hard to talk about the world. And it can be easier to talk about a reality that you want to be true rather than the reality that you know far too soon you are going to actually have to be living in. And so I don't think that these were lies. I think that these were beautiful conversations of emotional truths. And I just thank you for sharing that with us. Hey, Brianna. Yeah, I just want to echo, first of all, Vanessa's expression of consolation and sorrow. I am so sorry for your loss. And I am so grateful that you have shared so openly, so vulnerably, so beautifully with us today. I just also want to thank you for this gift you've given me. After Alex died, I felt so much shame, so much guilt, anger at myself, especially as I was going back through old messages. And I saw he would say like, oh, we should go on this trip together. And I would say, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Like, I would love to. And, you know, and then we wouldn't because I was busy and I had all this stuff going on. And I just would look back over those things yeah, as as lies that I had told. And I would, I would try and do all this mental calculus of like, oh, if only I had done this, maybe things would have worked out differently. 
And not only was that not helpful, rather than dealing with my my grief and seeing what Alex was plainly saying to me in those messages and also in his goodbye email, I was instead trying to sort of like look for a shortcut to just like blame myself for it or beat myself up over it. And both what you shared and Vanessa's really beautiful response, I, I think are really helpful for me and I'm sure for many people who are listening. Our next voicemail is from Courtney. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. My name is Courtney. I'm a nurse from Louisiana, which just happens to be a hotspot for the Delta variant. I have a blessing I want to give for Neville in response to the Through the Trap Door episode. I listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't filmed in Louisiana and people often talk about how, you know, we finally see an end in sight. We're finally able to get back to some sort of normal life. And that is just very much not the reality here. Cases are still very high. I still get very nervous. I don't always feel safe. I worry a lot about my daughter. And it's been especially difficult because of how low our vaccination rate is. Like Neville, I am not um, very confrontational. It's not where my comfort zone is. And a lot of people around me are vehemently against the vaccine. And I'm not always very comfortable with sharing what I know is right and trying to give good information and discuss good sound science because that's not where my comfort zone is. And so I just really want to bless Neville for you know not being comfortable with confrontation, but with still knowing in his heart that what his friends are doing is not right. And even though everyone around him is telling him that he is wrong, he stands his ground and you know, I agree with him. That was not the safest thing for the trio to do. And he makes that known. And so I want to bless him and emulate him as much as I can, that even though I'm not always comfortable doing so, that this is so important that I need to keep trying to let people know that I really do believe this is our answer and hope that things will soon get better. Thank you so much for your podcast. It has always been such a joy to me. Bye. Courtney, first of all, I just want to thank you for the work that you are doing in Louisiana. You are doing, I mean, such important work. And as an atheist, I I know this sounds ironic, but I truly believe that you are doing God's work. And the only thing I would add to your beautiful blessing of Neville is that, you know, Neville is standing up to the trio, but it is something that the school should be doing. The school should be keeping those kids safe. And Neville steps up, but it it shouldn't be his job. And regardless of whether or not you are confrontational, this should not be your job. I just want to say that I'm sorry that Neville was put in a position where standing up to his friends was something that he felt like he had to do. And I'm sorry that you were put in a position where you have to be caring for people in such an anxious and heavy-hearted way. Yeah, Courtney, mostly I just want to say thank you because you are doing work that is so difficult and so thankless. It is really easy (laughs) to look at maybe things that we're not as like naturally good at or not as drawn to and see them as like these weaknesses that we need to fix or improve upon. 
But I also think that like, yeah, you might not be the most confrontational person in the world, but I, I, I would guess that part of what that's connected to are things that do make you who you are. You know, sometimes the most confrontational people aren't particularly patient or empathetic toward others or, you know, all the things that obviously you must be if you are doing this work and still doing this work in this particular moment in time. And so I hope you see that, you know, it is the sort of flip side of a lot of things that make you who you are and that make you such an important, special person doing such meaningful work. So that's the only other thing I would add to what Vanessa shared already. Our last voicemail is from Sam. Hi, Matt, Vanessa, and the Sacred Text team. My name is Sam, and I live in Somerville, Massachusetts. And I've been thinking about what Matt said in the wrap-up episode about Dumbledore making a mistake by not being totally honest with Harry about Voldemort. It makes me think about climate change, um, because I teach 11 to 14-year-olds myself. And when they think about climate change, they are freaked out, and for good reason. The results of their past generation's poor choices are going to be on them way more than they are on me as a middle-aged person who's already lived a lot of my life. I want them to be carefree 11-year-olds just like Dumbledore wanted for Harry, but I also need to remember that they see the danger in their world, the same as Harry does, and they need that honesty. So I want to bless Dumbledore for protecting Harry, even though I agree that it was the wrong call, because I struggle with that call myself every day. Thank you. Oh, I want to echo that blessing so much. As someone with two kids in my life, you know, they're nine and 13. And there just is, there's this balance of never wanting to lie to them, not ever. And also not not wanting to devastate them or crush them or give them more that they can handle or make them believe that the world is completely unsafe. These are just such hard balances. And I definitely don't judge Dumbledore for the decision that he makes. You know, he will tell us later, as I said in the wrap-up episode, right, he will tell Harry later, I couldn't because I loved you. And I just think that that's such a, that's a fair reason. And having strategy around like not the whole truth, I think is a fair reason or the truth, but a little softened. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I really resonate with that. I'm not a parent, but in 2019, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of like climate change books and I just was like devouring as much information as I could. And just at top of mind, as I read my way through these books, was my nephews and niece and just the world that they're inheriting, that they're already living in, and trying to figure out, yeah, how how do we have those conversations, you know, understandable and, and admirable to want to protect young people from certain kinds of realities, um, whether it's climate change or something else. I also think that in a lot of ways, it can also limit their ability to understand what's going on around them. This is one thing my nephews and niece have taught me again and again. They are much more astute and aware and and intelligent than you assume that they are. And so my nephews and niece, they know what's going on in the world around them. And so to have someone that they love, that they see as a protector of them in some ways, be willing to speak the truth to them and give them a space to actually talk about it, We all need that, not just children. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for doing this episode with us, 
And I want to thank you for these beautiful projects that you've been working on with Unread and IRL. And I know our community is going to be really grateful for everything that you shared. Well, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to learn so much from you, from your listeners, and to step into this community that is so, so wonderful just for a short amount of time. So thank you so much for having me. You and I are doing an event together on October 26th that is virtual and people can read about it on our events page at notsorryworks.com. So yeah, I can't wait. Our two announcements before our thanks today are one that we are doing a virtual live event on October 7th. It will be all of the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text hosts, me, Matt, and Casper, and there will be trivia. So we will be embarrassing ourselves. And you can get tickets for that at notsorryworks.com. And then as Chris and I talked about, we are going to be doing a live event just about my book on October 26th. And you can reserve your spot for that free event also at notsorryworks.com. We are a Not Sorry production, a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, and we are edited and produced by AJ Yaramas. Our engineer is Erica Wong, and our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull. We are distributed by Acast. We want to thank everyone who sent in a blessing this week. Kathy, Mallory, Brianna, Courtney, and Sam. We'd like to thank Laura Glass, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Casper Terkyle, Stephanie Paulsell. A very special thanks this week to Chris Stedman and Brittany Spears. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.